0: Why are stocks and bond yields both moving higher? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Jem Carson, founder of Kai Volatility. Hey there, welcome back.
1: Great to be here. Good to see you, Maggie.
0: Same here, same here. Um, before we jump in, and we already have questions, which I love. Before we jump in, though, I want to welcome many of you to the new platform. We migrated over another big batch of members yesterday. If you haven't made the move, check your email the invitation might be sitting in your emails um you'll get the instructions step by step how to do it there are two things to be aware of you have to create a new account and for a short period you're going to need to make sure that you are signing on to the correct site there are actually two running simultaneously while we're in the process of rolling everyone over. So make sure you're on the right one. If you have any problems, email Milton, (laughs) despite my best efforts, he's still there. Uh, So um, somebody from the team will help you walk through it all. Um, And if you're not a member, what are you waiting for? We have a great deal. Um, Brian will put him in the chats, uh, but I believe it's www.realvision.com forward slash birthday. Okay, so Jim, really interesting market action today. We saw that ten year yield briefly touch a fifteen year high. Uh, some people were tweeting about the volume. What's your sense of what's happening with the treasury market?
1: Well, we've been talking about this for a couple of years, right? Uh, and um, uh, the the reality is the amount of issuance that needs to happen from uh, the treasury um, and it's never a straight line um, is increasing right dramatically. Um, we had a reprieve from it for a little while um, uh, because of the debt ceiling and and uh, the bank run that we had right and and everything that came with that, which uh, it, you know extended the uh, the liquidity draw out a bit. Um, but uh, eventually you know liquidity all you have to do is go look at the correlation between liquidity and the markets over the long run. And it's pretty clear that liquidity is a direct input to supply and demand to assets. Um, and uh, when we withdraw liquidity in f- some form or another, and in this case, $1.6 trillion of issuance that's happening over the next six months, um, that comes from somewhere. And uh, I think very few people have the context. We've talked about this on here about how much money that is, $1.6 trillion. You know, trillion. We've lost track of zeros in this economy um, but the average daily amount of volume that that is a net difference that that moves markets is about 75 billion. So mm. 1.6 trillion of issuance um, is a tremendous amount, especially over a six-month period. And so that is a structural headwind to markets. Um, we've known that. That doesn't mean markets are going down because there's other structural tailwinds. And supportive structural flows. So we've had this push and pull going on for a while. While that overhang was not there, the other structural uh, supportive flows, which have been significant, have overwhelmed the others. But here we are, right, in this structurally weak uh, flows period. And guess what takes over? It's the macro structural flows. Um, that will not be the case uh, as you get into the the, the end of the, the last quarter of the year into the the first two weeks. This time around, we can talk about seasonality and why that exists. It's not a magical construct, but that macro liquidity matters, and it's a major input to the equation of supply and demand. And so that's what we've been seeing. What is clear is that that's pushing Treasury yields higher. And again, that's something that we've known for some time. It's never a straight line. You know, we had that head fake uh, back in March of last of this year uh, with the bank run and and positioning last time we were, um, you know, treasuries were starting to break out um, was was too uh, too bearish um, in the bond market. And that really led to uh, kind of the boat getting pushed to the other side very quickly. But then we shook a lot of that positioning and positioning is very different this time around. People are very caught, uh, very unprepared. Uh, and that really happened not just because of the bank run, but also because of the um, the narrative of recession coming, right? And mm-hmm. all of the uh, the cyclical uh, realities that people are used to playing in the, of the last forty years with with mm-hmm. you know the Fed policy. So this is a different market. Um, you know the the Fed is in a box. We've talked about this for years. They uh, they have a dual mandate, which are no longer in concert. With one another Mm -hmm. and they have a a challenge uh, and they have to fight inflation as long regardless of of growth uh, as long as that inflation is sticky
0: yeah so when you say that the positioning is very different this time around um are bond investors positioned incorrectly for what's coming in the economy and inflation
1: so i think the uh the reality is most people think that uh there is a direct um, you know, one-to-one correlation with uh, cyclical demand and uh, yields, and the reason they they think that, and most algorithms actually think that as well, is because for the last forty years until recent history, it was all about cyclical dynamics because we didn't have structural inflation, and we've talked about that on here. Why? Yeah, I'm not going to dive into all that right now, but there's structural inflation, which is really a function of not cyclically how the economy is doing but where money is going from wealthy to poor, right? The redistribution of wealth piece. And that part, which is coming through labor um, you know, labor rights, we're seeing a new strike every week uh, in some area of the market or another. Uh, you know, we're at uh, near all time lows for unemployment. Um, uh, you know, we don't have to go very far to see what's happening there. Protectionism is on the rise, right? And, and that's causing a lot of these things as well. Those structurally secular uh, inflationary pressures um, are happening regardless of the cyclical pressures. And so those that that cyclical versus secular dynamic is not something people have had to think about. That's why demand has been way stickier than people have expected, why this recession hasn't come mm-hmm. as quickly as expected and why inflation has been hotter. And that will continue. Um, if anything, you can argue that is uh, that has a lag in it and will continue to accelerate on a secular basis. That's what happened in the 70s. So the cyclical, uh, we're trying to fit fight a secular story with a cyclical, uh, a um, set of tools, and uh, that can only do so much. And I think the, the long end of the curve is waking up to that. That's what we talked about for a couple of years. We're starting to see it happen.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, we have a question from someone I think maybe has the opposite thought from you, but st- we stocks, let's just thread why stocks. So stocks have been reacting to that uh, idea that maybe we have higher for longer, maybe we're going to see volatility, higher rates, the rate reset, all of that. They've been selling off on that. Today, they rose. Do, should we read anything into that? Is that is that meaning meaningful in any way, or is it just a reaction to the fact that we're yeah, bouncing we, off We had selling? four out of
1: five sessions down up until yeah. today, right? Um, and those were a function of a window of particularly weak flows, structural flows in the market. We can talk about those and what those mean. Uh, we are transitioning away from that, uh, those structural flows being weak. Uh, there's, those positive flows are coming back. And there's also even more of it uh, sitting in front of us as a function of an event ball um, that, you know, the the September 29th and October 2nd, those expirations are priced particularly high across the board because of a fear of extra hedging that's happening in those expirations. So there's a coming kind of VANA charm uh, flow that's coming uh, as a result of that. Um, and that can, uh, you know, potentially even front run what's coming behind that, which is more structural positive flows into the more cyclically positive period of the expiration cycle. Then back into November, shortened uh, holiday time. And, and then uh, back into December and January, where we start getting the um, the effects from reinvestment and, and recollateralization uh, of, of, you know, the market being up 15% of the year for the year um, is about $15 trillion, of new collateral in a 100 trillion dollar market uh, equity world and uh you know that doesn't at all go to work uh, on the first of the month but there is a significant amount that does at first of the year i mean and so there's a uh, you know there's this is why we get the most positive four weeks of the year, the two weeks before the beginning of the year, Santa Claus rally, and the two weeks Mm -hmm. after the January effect. That, again, is not a magical construct. Uh, People assign psychological dynamics to it. It has very little to do with psychology. It's really a function of pluses and minus buying and selling. And there's just a lot more buying in an up year into that period. And it's dramatic relative to liquidity. And so as you now are in an oversold market, with uh, you know, November and December and those effects, plus the, again, like I said, uh, the significantly lower volume weighted time, a lot more holiday season and acceleration of the decay of skew, um, uh, that those bond and Charm effects will also kick in, in that period. So that's coming. That's sitting back there in November and December. Here we are going into October and there's an event vol and some seasonally more positive micro weekly flows coming. Take those now against this macro overhang and uh, you know th- those those are the pluses and minuses and, and the the parts of the equation when you're looking at supply and demand.
0: Yeah, which is so important to layer on. So, Bo asking this question: um, the latest GDP revision printed at eight tenths, down 80 percent from Q1, a nine sigma miss. Does this put to bed thoughts of the resilient U.S. consumer and the services sector propping up the economy?
1: Again, I want to reiterate: cyclical is only part of the story. Um, GDP growth um, is only part of the equation. Everybody is used to for the last 30, 40 years, it's a very simple equation. What is the economy doing? And what does that mean uh, in terms of output? What you're getting is margin compression broadly in the market, but also significant increases to um to uh to balance sheets and demand, right, via rebalancing of income. Um, so yes. To be clear, we're we're getting a slowing. I'm not saying that the economy is going to be gangbusters, but but is that the only input that matters to equity market performance? No, uh, is that the only input that matters to bond uh, yield performance? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, you can have a down turn in the uh, in the economy and likely get higher yields on top of that. Uh, we believe that will be the case this time around, uh, particularly on the long end of the curve. We do think there'll be an actually uh, steepener. Happening into this time around, which is very, very uh, counter uh, what we've seen uh, more, uh, more in the decades uh, more recently. So, so yes, we're not de- dismissing that there's a slowing. It's I think it's hard to dismiss that it's taken way longer than people expected. Um, I think it's hard to dismiss that it's uh, the the consumers hung in there way longer than expected given given what's going on. Um, and uh, yes, it is slowing, but that uh, that is only uh, you know the question is at what speed. And how important is that relative to the other structurally, secularly inflationary pressures? And and how much does that cyclical slowdown matter for inflation ultimately? Um, So that would be my response. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so 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 important, you know, uh, again, to sort of like anchor in the time we're in now. Right. Some of the models that we used before, if they were just relying on that, are are not going to work. So uh, government shutdown another uh, th- let's throw another <laughs> factor in that is kind of hard for some people to to figure out and i think adding to that is the fact that when we've mentioned in the in the past and it's you know outrageous to many that we just keep you know it's like being on uh, in groundhog day the movie we just keep replaying this it's a hard way to govern but uh when when it's happened before as frustrating as it may be to watch analysts would say um oh, I'm not paying attention to it because it's a mess. It's a hot mess. But at the end of the day, at the 11th hour, they get it done. Doesn't matter. It's not going to be a market factor. Yeah, Is that the I same mean, sentiment this time around? hundred uh, percent,
1: in my opinion, the odds are very, very, very slim that uh, this becomes some structural, stressful event uh, for the market. Um, there's a bu- several reasons for that. One um, uh, you know, there is a positive demand coming out of the market at this event, no matter what happens in the short term. That's uh, sh- short term supportive. Uh, even if we get, um, you know, a-, a situation where in the short term it's not resolved, uh, it is in nobody in either side of the political aisles uh, best interest if you're an incumbent, right? Uh, if you're an incumbent, you're on the same side at the end of the day. You don't want a default from the US government. That, that is a good way to lose your job. So everybody's incentivized to, to incentivized to reach a deal eventually. This is all horse trading and nothing gets done until the final pressure comes in. Um so yes, uh something will happen. We will, uh, this will be resolved. There may be some volatility between now and then, uh, per usual. Um, but uh but yes, if you're if you're betting on a crash based on a government shutdown, uh you know,
0: good luck. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. question on some of the um seasonalities that you were mentioned you, that you mentioned before um nugget heads i love some of these names you mentioned october 6th on x twitter it's hard for me to keep call it x bear with me is that when you see Vanna and charm flows returning as the window of non-strength closes thank you
1: yes uh, october 6th is a uh, friday into monday before the um before the beginning of of the the strongest week of the options expiration cycle, um, you know, strongest week and a half. Uh, there's a lot of positive flows, uh, you know, left in the market, particularly so, um, uh, you know, going into there because of um, because of this event vol that's that exists in front of it as well. So uh, it could be front run here, uh, you know, because again the event vol falls September 29th, October 2nd. So and we're already seeing some support underneath the market. Um, but that is when you'd expect there to start to be more structurally positive flows. Does that mean the market's going up in that window? Not necessarily. Are
0: uh, we talking positive flows into equities, into treasuries? Equities. We're
1: talking about equities, equities specifically yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and, and does that mean markets are going up in that window? Um, not necessarily. What it means is going to there's going to be more positive flows in the context of an overhang of, of structural negative flows coming from the treasury. Um, You know, there's, you know, you could just get a vol dampening effect um, and a slight kind of mean reversion. Um, But, uh, you know, and it's still a bit early for the to start kind of betting on the no kind of positivity that's that's out there a month later. Um, uh, But I will say we're moving, you know, there's two positive things. There's a short term positive set of flows coming in the context of uh, an oversold market already. Um, And then you have behind that, like I said, very positive structural, even more positive, structural seasonal flows coming in November and December. So, um, you know, with this sell-off and, and us being kind of uh, two standard deviations or close to it uh, below the 20-day, very oversold RSI is kind of uh, in a spot. You know, I think most entities are, are not out there uh, kind of trying to bet, bet against this thing here now. Uh, you might be looking for an opportunity to short it higher. Um, uh, but uh, yes, coming uh, into this window into October 6th after that is, uh, is is a period where it'd be, you know, time is not a bear's friend is what I like to say uh, in this window um, as we approach that. Um, so we got the decline you'd expect after quarterly OPEX. It came pretty steep right after that OPEX, which is, again, what we're used to seeing. Uh, you kind of rode that support into that sub-quarterly OPEX. You took your shorts. Um, that worked out pretty well. Uh, you don't want to stick around too long. Um, you know would be my opinion as we get closer and closer um you know into that six and behind window again if you get to OC, uh, 18th or so 17th the wednesday of uh, opex um and and the the flows aren't uh you know rebalancing they're repairing technical damage if they're not by that point you you probably want to start leaning short again for a little bit um, but uh, for now this is a this is a period to kind of take your winners uh, rebalance and then start looking for longs
0: Mm. I, a lot of people, when they're talking about seasonalities too, um, just always worry about this time of year because it tends to be when we see something break, right? You see some some turmoil in the market, something happens. Um, is there anything on the horizon that worries you in respect to that?
1: Yeah, I want to be. I want to just keep hammering on this. It's not like the month of September is a bad month, or you know, it, there are very specific micro effects that fall within this period um, that are that are themselves very important. And you can tie them much closer than to the month, right? It's um, there's a reason the back half of September is dangerous. It's not just September. It's because it's post a OpEx, right? Like we saw. And that after that, those positive flows in that quarterly Now you have a lack of support. You have uh, very few holidays, actually no holidays during during this period post Labor Day for quite some time. Which means there's uh, people are coming back into the market. Volumes also increasing, which um, you know uh, can be can be a significant factor. All of these happen generally after a summer that has been very low liquidity, uh, where the uh, the demand, structural demand forces um, have, have been uh, kind of at work. So you tend to get give back from a higher um, level that's starting in uh, the back half of September. It's a period without those positive flows. Uh, the, when you have a down month in September, the end of the month also tends to be negative because, again, there's a momentum factor to the end of month for each month. And then you can get, uh, you know, some 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 trouble in there. That said, once you get that nine times out of 10, there's something else coming on the other side uh, and, and a chase into the end of the year. So so um, this has been very orderly under the hood. Vol has been very well supplied. There's a structural, uh, you know, from structured product issuance, there's massive vol supply still on the market. Vol is still very compressed. Um, this is not what a, a tail event is made of. That doesn't mean a decline can't happen. Um, but it's going to be well supported uh, more and more, like I said, in the weeks to come. Um, and, and uh, you know, I wouldn't be betting on a crash from here.
0: Yeah, I, I, I we absolutely love having you on for this very reason, because you're giving us a peek into this other world that a lot of people sort of don't know or watch as closely that obviously has huge effect on what's going on and makes a lot more sense when you layer it on and you can sort of see what's happening as opposed to looking at it in this sort of very, you know, one month, fall is when the crash happens. And it's much more nuanced and you can sort of dig in for anyone who wants to get a better understanding. um, Imran Laka, I know you were on Gem Together. Imran has an entire course on options on the Academy uh, on our website. I think Brian can pull up on the new site and you can see there the two of you are together. Um, And if you're afraid, you're not gonna understand it. We now have an AI tool that's embedded the little green button that you can see right on the side. So you can ask it questions in real time. You can take notes on what they're saying. This sort of education part of it is so important. And I know Jim, you try to do that all the time and translate this world. So does Imran, but it's really important because I feel like without it, we're all kind of flying blind.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this stuff, uh, as much as people uh, like to talk about qualitative, uh, you know, who's feeling what and animal sentiments, markets are a function of buyers and sellers and supply and demand. And the more you can measure that supply and demand, uh, the the better off you're going to be. That's how we approach things. It's very mathematical. And you can explain the overwhelming majority of seasonality and a lot of these things that, again, to most people are magical by simply understanding uh, buying forces and selling forces and why they happen during different periods.
0: We're gonna take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah, and we've been hearing from those of you who are on the news site, by the way, like the note taking part of it and being able to do that in real time and have it right there, keep it on hand, is amazing. Like we're all playing with it and we absolutely love it. And I really need the AI part for for some (laughs) of these conversations, Um, for sure. And speaking of, before I get to more questions, um, you you briefly mentioned structured products. Um, And I know that this is something that you're watching um, really closely in addition to a new Something new the CBOE has. It'll bring us up to date on what you're looking at because there's definitely many of us are not have not wrapped our head around this.
1: Yeah, this is such a big thing. Both of them are actually. Let's start with the the bigger current thing that's going on, and that's structured product issuance. Um, there is a massive wave, right? Historically, whenever interest rates go get higher uh, in the bond market, that serves as a reverse Tina effect. That serves as a now there is an alternative to equities. You can go put your money and a 10-year bond now for 4.65%, right? Um, that is a, a significant alternative to what it was just uh, a year and a half ago. And that means less demand for stocks. Um, the reason the multiple, uh, the price to earnings multiple in the S&P 500 in 1982 was four and a half, at a, four and a half PE. People were like, how is that possible? Because you could get a 10-year bond for 20%. Right, so so why why would you go invest in the stock market? There is an alternative. So it's a function of interest rates, right? Price to earnings multiples are, are a function of interest rates, and the reality is that has always been the case. That markets have gone into bonds as interest rates go higher, and that sucks. money out of risk premium. This time, though, last time during the last inflation push in the '70s, we didn't have something called derivatives. We didn't have the ability to to layer on top of bonds. Other structured yields to enhance our yields. And so there's a big demand, not just for that four point six five percent ten year or that you know five point seven percent you know uh, one year or you know uh, you know whatever you're doing, you can now put stack uh, selling uh, kind of way out of the money puts, way out of the money calls, all kinds of different structures to enhance that yield, have very low leverage on your portfolio, non-correlated, and get something closer to seven, half, eight percent. And so banks are issuing these in mass. And have all kinds of demand for them. The thing is, what does that do? That ultimately leaves the dealers, the banks, the issuers with a bunch of long volatility, right? Because these entities- Oh my gosh,
0: wait, we've been here before, haven't we?
1: (laughs) It's a little different this time. And I'll tell you why. Is it better?
0: Because last- It is better. Let me tell you why. Because
1: this is very, people are de-risking by coming out of the equity market and very low leverage broadly products. This is not a leverage bet.
0: Okay, and that was important. So wait, I just want to I just want to put a pin in this and just underscore the 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 humongous importance of what you just said. So the the reverse, Tina, right? That the idea that now that you're getting yields in bonds for the first time in in decades, it's sucking funds out of stocks, which is a super interesting and another one of these things you have to be aware of instead of just paying attention to like the earnings and. They're issuing all the structured products, derivative products, and they have them on their books. The reason I said, oh, no, we're not, because it made me think of back in the housing, in the great financial crisis, in the lead up to that- all of these derivatives that people evidently didn't understand and were bundled and then kind of led to the blow up. And Warren Buffett used to warn about derivatives being like a, a nuclear bomb. right? Now, so to, to, be,
1: to be clear, this will eventually lead to vo- more and more vol compression and it already is leading to uh, entities taking more risk than they normally would because. They feel, uh, you know, that, that this is a sure thing. Eventually, uh, the more crowded and profitable this becomes, uh, just think 2017 and lower and lower vol and more and more compression led to what? The a proliferation of all the risk-taking XIV that eventually imploded and led to the apocalypse. Right. So this stuff eventually will undo itself. I don't think it's the structured products themselves that are that are going to to cause um, directly, but somebody is going to get out over their skis and over leveraged. Um, you know, and and the more concentrated that becomes in one vehicle or one entity, think long-term capital management, think XIV. The, that's when things go wrong. And eventually, we'll get there. But the structured products themselves aren't the aren't they kind of the problem. They are uh, eventually going to cause more and more, and they already are significant ball compression at the index level. But to just take this one more step, and I think this is the important part I wanted to make uh, is is all of the structured product issuance, which is again, trillions of dollars in the context of a market that uh, the daily flows are seventy five billion or so that move that net move markets. Um, So that is causing massive compression, but it's in a specific place. It's in the S&P 500 where all these structured products are issued. And so the vol compression is happening on the index level. That does not mean NVIDIA and, uh, you know, uh, whatever other, you know, name are pinned. They are tied to the index, right? And so they can only deviate so far from the index because they're one of the constituents. Um, But if NVIDIA is not a vol center, not pinned, it can go up. Uh, or down a significant amount, and the index is still pinned. I mean, other that means other entities, other constituents of that index have to go the opposite direction. Mathematically, index goes nowhere. One of the constituents goes up; something else has to go down for the index not to go anywhere. So that leads to what we call dispersion,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we're seeing dramatic historic dispersion in the markets uh, up until two thousand seventeen. We had never seen dispersion even close to what we're seeing. This 2017 was 30% lower realized volatility than any other time in 150 years of history, and 25% lower correlation of constituents of the index than any other time in history. Total outlier. We're right back there again. Not a, consi- not, a co- not a coincidence. We're getting really outlier structural things relative to history because the market structure itself has changed, and it's causing really uh, strange different things. Primarily, the index is more pinned. Constituents are flying around uh, and are not pinned, and we're getting dramatic correlation breakdown, which leads us now to your second question the dispersion index. I don't know if you want to dive into that now or you want to digest some of this. Let's touch on it.
0: So uh, um, I know you're going to blow up our comments and chats. We will get Jim on, maybe with (laughs) Roger or Imran. We are going to break this down. Somebody please draw me a cartoon of this as well. That would help me visually, Jim, if I could have a cartoon. My daughter's an
1: excellent cartoonist. I should just Man, I her can on Can and, we and...
0: can we do something? <laughs> can she come on and we'll like we'll have her do a cartoon because I feel like it would make a lot more sense to me. Although I am following you, like I want to see yeah. this visually. Um, but so yes, let's 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 touch on it and just promise everyone we will come back and break this all down. So what do we? So need we're to getting historic
1: dispersion at the end of the right. day. The constituents, the correlation of the, the constituents of the index are moving really in line with their idiosyncratic risk, which is increasing actually because liquidity is coming out of the market while at the same time we're getting massive ball compression right at the index level from structured products. So you're getting one area that's getting really volatile, which is the underlying constituents, and then the index, which is the sum of them really being pinned. So it's causing a historic dispersion, uh, volatility in the constituents, very little con- uh, in, in the index. Now, the reason there's not enough liquidity to take this edge out and really mash it together and keep things more in line is because it's a pretty hard trade to um, to deploy uh, a, it's expensive. You need systems. The uh, broader it's right, it's asset like hedge managers, monthly.
0: hedgy, right? Yes, like, it's very
1: hedgy, and there's there's just not um, a lot of like the broad asset management, the bigger dollars that we're talking about, um, can't do it and 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 won't do it, um, and so it, it leads to a lot of edge um, along the way. The today the CBOE issued uh, its first kind of a release. Sorry, it's it's a new index, the Dispersion Index DSPX, which is an important. They're essentially creating a highway. And it's not all the products tied to it aren't out yet, and they're going to build a whole suite if there's enough demand, which I believe there definitely will be. Um, but eventually, my view is that that will lead. This is these are uh, innovations and, and products that will help create a highway between the two, you know, the two flows: the the vol pinning on one side and the 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 vol acceleration um, broadly in the broad market outside of that. And help to balance and and decrease some of this dispersion because again it'll be liquid and it'll be something that the rest of the market can take that edge out. Of. So
0: it will be a that's valve. That's not going to
1: happen overnight. It will uh, be a valve. Know. I'm sorry. Like,
0: it'll be a valve to release yes. some of the pressure. It'll
1: essentially connect these so these two pressures that are really unconnected and creating a lot of edge and discontinuity in the market will now be much more connected and, and liquid. Um, and 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 that's my view at least. This remains to be seen. I'm I'm you know sitting out there kind of thinking about how this will likely. Play out. Um, It has to be adopted. It depends on the 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 release of products and uh, you know because it could
0: uh, be a highway. Like as long as it's not a highway for people to just lever up on stuff. That so how does? Let me ask you. How does in in what you just described? And I'm I'm going to encourage everyone to go back and listen to this because this is so important to understand. Is there anywhere? I know we just touched on it, but is there leverage baked into any of this? In and of itself, that's dangerous aside from participants just if they're doing well getting greedy and levering themselves up somehow but are these inherently levered products in any way whether it's the one you're talking about or any of the structured products
1: um, for the most part the structured products are not levered they are they are a way to de you know decorrelate from beta um and they tend to be i mean there's obviously all kinds of products i don't want to make a but but broadly the structured products uh, are are a way to to really take some type of equity exposure 1x notionally to your capital away from the market or even in the market, but with some layered kind of uh, reduction to parts of the distribution. Um, So structured products, not really the dispersion index uh, is just an index at this point. Uh, You know, the products they'll release upon it, um, you know, we'll be, we'll, we'll see eventually they may do a levered product on it and there may be some issues tied to that. Very early days, um, but an, an important my, my point there is, is' an important thing that the market has needed to mm-hmm. kind of release some of this edge. There's a bunch of edge sitting out there that people are capturing like ourselves and others that, that are able to do this dispersion and and, uh, and, and, and take this edge. Um, but that edge will be reduced in theory by making it easier for people to access that discontinuity and and by doing that you should reduce some of the uh, the dislocations and issues that you have.
0: Um, so, but it's but so not explicitly
1: yeah not explicitly leveraged products at this point. Um, there's plenty of leveraged issues uh, underneath <laughs> underneath the market that we can dive into. But this is well I'll right.
0: have to dive into that because that that's <laughs> always where the you know the 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 powder is sitting that's going right. to you know blow something up um so it's it's always important and liquidity too we got a lot of questions about that we won't have time to answer them in this but we're definitely going to have you back cuz it's so important to flag this because like i said not all of us are looking at these parts of the markets or as aware and we need to be it, it am i right in thinking that as long as interest rates are high and there is this proliferation and attractiveness in these bond and now bond type Products or structured products that are across that you will see that will put pressure on equities? Is that just how it's going to be, the equilibrium?
1: So, two different effects. Uh, One, uh, the higher the yield goes, the more liquidity comes out of the market, Uh, it gets translated, you know, those. Trillions of dollars of issuance gets translated to the equity market via the path I just mentioned. There's a, it's an alternative to equities, and that eventually flows right. There's a, a better mathematical, uh, you know, uh, alternative. You're going to go towards there, and, and liquidity is going to get sucked out of the equity market as well. So, so yes, the more we're pulling liquidity out of the system, not surprisingly, that's bad for assets generally, and it's particularly bad for risk assets. Um, That said, that's the macro effect, right? There's a secondary effect, which is as those yields go higher, there's also more structured product issuance. So you're also compressing volatility in the index itself, um, which can have positive uh, during certain windows in particular that are tied to where these structured products are tied, right? Can have significant buyback of uh, these VANA and Charm flows, which are particularly strong these days because of that supply and how high skew is. Um, But it's really a function of measuring how big each one is relative to another. At some point, there's a tipping point where the structural macro liquidity overwhelms the other. um, uh, And you have to be very careful of when is the structured product, you know, if we get a reversal now in yields after, right, uh, you know, and, and liquidity is still not great. Now, all of a sudden, there may not be that supply of structured products as much. And now you're removing one of the um, you know, one of the core compressions of all, right, As there's still oh. negative liquidity. So these are the things you need to think about, right, when you're doing the, the calculus of, okay, what are markets likely to do and in, in what windows. Um, these are not just linear effects of supply and demand. They happen yes. over different periods and in different uh, ways. Um, and it's really about getting under the hood and understanding those those specific dynamics.
0: I, I think this is what's really important. And it's not, you know, it's it's multi-layered, isn't it? And it's like moving at the same time. And you have to understand how these things piece together, which is what we're always trying to unpack. Um, fantastic stuff. Jem. every time you come on, my brain gets a little bit there. <laughs> um, and then I don't have to go watch it all and, <laughs> and go back and, um, and try to dig in on this. I realize we didn't get to some of your questions, but I think what what he was saying was so important. That was really um, good for us to hear that. We will work on this and un- unpack it and, and answer some of these questions in the coming days on the platform. So that is where we're going to do it, maybe in the academy, if not on one of our our other shows, but we promise you, we will we will keep going on this and dig in so we all understand it together. Thank you so much, Jim. You're amazing. Get Always that a pleasure being here. Thanks, man. Get that cartoon going. <laughs> <Daughter>. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: have to start <laughs> paying my my daughter to come in for my uh, my podcast.
0: I'm telling you, right? <laughs> like, we'll have visual representation in simulcast. That would be a, a, a epic family moment. <laughs> um, thanks so much. So. Remember, everyone, this is this is why we lean into education. This is part of the mission that we do to try to democratize this um, and help give everyone the knowledge and the tools and the network, as you hear Raoul say, so that you can have financial success. Um, We're running the birthday special. So if you are with us on YouTube, you are missing most of the good conversations this one not counting. So become a member so we can sort of, you can get the full experience and all the education and network behind it as we work to unpack all of this um, and experience the new platform with all of the tools. So hit that code I gave you. Brian's going to drop it on um, so that you can jump on the deals we have. And if you're already a member, maybe it's time to level up uh, so we can fully participate in these conversations. Appreciate you all. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there.